This is Slashers. Your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me as always are Squishy Adam, Boomer Doug, and Cy LOL Adrian. <laughs> Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hi, I'm Squishy. <laughs> I'm going to speak to your manager because I'm Boomer Doug and, and I have the mentality of a Karen. And apparently I fly a lot, so this is Aiden. <laughs> Lots so I, of H's. Funny thing, Adrian, I actually went through our chat and searched how many times the word sigh has come up. <laughs> Exclusively you. Exclusively. And not even just your fun spelling of it. Exclusive, you're the only person who sighs in our chat. Audibly. Well, via text. Well, I'm like literally sitting amongst three males who constantly talk ab- about dick and balls and. I'm sorry. Did I talk about a dick and a ball? And, I feel persecuted everything. as a man. Yes, you all do, and so I have to let out a sigh every now and again. This this female over here is making the <laughs> propensity argument. Just because I've talked about a dick in the past does not mean I'm going to talk about a dick now. I am reformed. But now that you mention it, let's talk about some dicks, pussies, buttholes, and others. We're talking about the class of Newcomb High, which is originally just called Newcomb High. Changed the class of Newcomb High, allegedly to make it mix it up with class of '84. I don't believe that, but let's keep going. Uh, let's get our one-minute, super short review and summation of the movie. Uh, what'd you guys think of this trauma classic? Well, I really enjoyed Class of Newcomb High. This film came out right after the uh, Toxic Avenger, and a lot of the same uh, cast and crew are used for this film. And uh, this is definitely a, a time capsule because you can see like, oh, 1986, is this is how, uh, you know, sex-fueled uh, 30-year-olds going to high school <laughs> is. I, I enjoy this film a lot. And another thing too, the background, the background music um, is constantly playing throughout this film. So if you like like that 80s kind of kind of rock music, uh, this is definitely for you. It, it's fast paced. It's slick. It's fun. Uh, there's some good gory monster effects. Uh, this is one of Troma's best, honestly, besides Toxic Avenger and, uh, you know, Rabid Grannies and all that. Uh, I, I really enjoy the original classic of mine. And the soundtrack is inarguably the best soundtrack that Troma has ever done, in my opinion. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, this is hands down my favorite trauma film. Um, I've always thought of it as uh, a John Hughes film through the trauma lens. Yeah. And uh, it's just fun. It's mm-hmm. it's refined for a trauma film. Uh, take that how you will. It knows what it's doing. It tells a great story. There's lots of great characters. I love just the look of all the extras and just like the Cretans. It's very punk rock visually. The mutant creature in this is one of my favorite char- like creature designs of all time. It's fun. It's a great one to get people introduced into the world of trauma. Yeah. And yeah, I love it. It's, it's accessible without being watered down. Exactly. Aid, what do you think? Oh, no, I loved it. I thought it was super cute, uh, especially going because I, I watched Poultry Guys and then I watched this one. Oh, wow. And Dan, yeah. And then, Breath and of Dan fresh was air. watching it with me. Yeah, I was, I was like, I really like this one. And it's obviously, and I talked about this with you guys, I do have some issues with it, clearly, because I, I, I do work in a, in a school setting. I'm a teacher. So I, I did have some issues with the ending. But I, other than, um, like I was even saying, it's so absurd because people never thought that those things could ever happen, right? Like, no one's going to come to a school with a bunch of guns and rifles and, and shoot everybody, right? Like, this never going to happen. So this is what makes it funny. I don't know what y'all are doing. I'm giving you the quiet coyote, which is the closest thing I could do to your French bulldog with the ears up and going away from the microphone because it sounds like she's running a triathlon right now. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Could I be more subtle? You're a teacher. You have to know quiet coyote. I can't see you because the sun's in my eyes and I'm like literally looking at a glare on the screen. So I can hardly whatever. Well, I was going to say, for the people listening, I'm like, I know you <laughs> like the movie Aid, but damn. I know. Ah! It's so good. Uh, God, I can't. I'm sorry. I have no doors in my house. There's no way to get rid of this dog. I don't know what else to do. Put her in a bag. <laughs> I know like an audition. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbor's not even home. Like, I would just be like, hey, can you take her and then run away? I can't even do that. It's so. okay. Um, but anyways. <laughs> Let's just go back to what you yes. were saying. That way we can cut all this out. And this is Patreon exclusive roasting. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. I loved it. I thought it was great. We watched it. Uh, Dan probably had one too many at Tanks and he came home and he's like, what the fuck is this? And then like, he's like watching it like, <laughs> I 
So he enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really cute. Um, we know you hate flaccid dick, so we gave you a movie with, like, undoubtedly the least flaccid dick ever. Yeah. Yeah, that thing reaches the fucking ceiling. Yeah, dude, he almost hit that shit in the fan. Oh, my God. I know. I know. It's like... I just block certain things out of my mind. Like a lot of what I liked about it was that it was overacting, but at the same time, it was cute. It was a cute little love story, the boyfriend and girlfriend. And, you know, again, we're going to compare it to John Hughes. It was very reminiscent of like, you know, Pretty in Pink or 16 Candles type thing where all the kids are together going to a party, this and that, getting into to the the special toxic weed, which made me think of Adam. So... <laughs> Need to get me an atomic eye. I know. So yeah, no, this is this one was cute. I would say this one was super cute. Um, and that's it. That's all I have to say. There's a quaintness to it that I think is nice without, like I said, being overly it, it's still clearly a trauma movie. It's just this is a gateway drug. So I'm really glad I subjected you to poultry guys first so you realize how good you have it with class of Newcomb High. Movie was shot on a budget of four hundred grand. Can you imagine that they bought all of that makeup and sludge and latex for 400 grand and renting a school and miniatures to explode? I am very impressed by the budget on this film and that they were able to achieve. Like and I driving said, a that, motorcycle through everything, too. Yeah. So, in that creature design, like I said, that's one of my favorites and just all of cinema. I just always love the mutant creature design of this. Let me ask you a question. What do you think its crotch looks like? Because that's the one thing you never see. I'm going to say he's got a spiky cock. Spiky cock. Just like the rest of them. Spiky cock. I mean, it's trauma, so the cock probably is uh, facing itself. Like in Poultry Guys, it's got the chicken cock. <laughs> it's a porcupine. <laughs> Peen, okay. Thank you. Thank you. As the dildozer. <laughs> it was released at the tail end of 1986, almost 1987, which is probably my favorite year in film. It was December 12th. You know what else came out around then? The Wraith, which is The Crow, but with Charlie Sheen as an alien. The Golden Child, Three Amigos, Little Shop of Horror, Platoon. There's some really fun stuff in that time. Overlaps with this quite a bit uh, in terms of the audience. I still think this is it's incomparable, but I have thusly compared it. 83 minutes for the runtime. Is it easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl? What do we think, gang? Yeah, it's definitely a quick watch. It's just like Toxic Avenger. It knows what it's doing. It's telling a proper story. It's giving you all the fun, and it's wrapping it up real quick. Yeah, it, it goes by real quick. In fact, sometimes I have to play this movie twice, and like, man, it just goes so fast. And then I love the soundtrack, too. Like, yeah. uh, you know, later on in the film, when the, when the alarms are all going off, it's like that din din. Uh, it, it's just like stock music. But, it, I mean, man, it's just this movie's got so much energy. It's uh, like a dormitory hallway on a Friday night. Hmm. I kind of wish that I had seen it when I was younger so I could appreciate it more now because I feel like this would have been a lot of fun to watch, you know, for like sleepover movies or like when you're kids and like you go rent a movie at the, the video store. I never really saw, I can't remember, and I don't know if this is true, and I'm sure Doug would probably know this better than me, but I don't remember any of these like boxes sitting at the video store. Like I don't remember these movies. And the fact that they're so old, like you would think that I, I would have some sort of something like the, the only title that sounds uh familiar to me because i'm pretty sure i've seen it and i just don't remember is the toxic avenger but any of these other ones i have no fucking idea so again i'm glad that you guys have exposed this to me exposed and and a lot of things to me <laughs> discussing this movie but yeah no um it's cute i i just i really think this one is super cute like i think if you're gonna watch these movies for the first time this is the perfect one to start with I got to say, that's a really good point because I can't tell you when the first time or how I saw it for the first time, but I know I saw it when I was fresh out of high school, like at that, that fresh young age. But yeah, I didn't see this one at the video stores, either Connecticut or Ohio. I'd never seen them on the shelves, but somehow I, I saw this, but uh, yeah, it's, I think it gave me a real taste in a lot more genres of horror seeing it that young. Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to get this convoluted with Surf Nazis Must Die. Also, Trauma came out after the marketing materials and stuff had looked a lot alike. And so it's kind of this like mucky thing. So I very vividly remember sitting down in that same kind of age group and going, here's this one, here's this one, and comparing. Uh, this is by far my favorite of the two. 
Uh, but the same kind of thing, that formative age, I think, is really important. Yeah, both these tapes, uh, the VHSs for like Surf Nazis and this one, it was like always that that neon green and like hot pink color. Yep. So it just really stood out. And uh, I actually have, the, I was looking on the back, I have the reissued DVD from like 2003, I believe. And it says, as if, as if high school violence wasn't enough, you've got this film. So, you know, going with the whole trauma thing, now that everyone's at, at home doing, uh, you know, school, it's like, what happens with all these school shooters? Are they just doing homeschool shooting now? Is you know the news. Only in troll March, Only folks. Only in troll March. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that'll scare the parents. I'm like, I want to be the homeschool shooter. And the parents are like, huh? that's why these parents are so willing to subject their kids to an infectious disease to get them the fuck out of the house uh now i I brought up the runtime and now i have to bring up this next point um i compared this movie the entire runtime to street trash street trash much longer an hour or that's 101 minutes this is only 80 what did i say it was 83 um, I'm not saying that it's like bad, but I prefer street trash because seeing street trash was like, what the fuck? I had no relative experience. I have never been homeless. I have never thrown a flaccid dick through the air. So that, but like some of the effects, especially that opening one with Dewey were kind of transposed in my mind. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. Were there any other movies that you think this was either pinging off in your brain um, outside of the John Hughesian cinematic universe? Well, I feel like a lot of the the films that came out around this time were pushing that that punk edginess because um like like the Cretans they're they're kind of these guys in vests and stuff and I know Lloyd said too now it's like the Cretans are just regular you know that's just regular look uh, that's that's a that's a punk piercing show if you go to it um, but no a lot of these films like like Class of 1984 and all those those films like that like that was considered edgy at the time and you know who knew at the, at the time they never thought they'd bring in weapons to schools because you know guns in schools no one would ever do that. Yeah. Look at it now. You want to know what this kind of reminds me of is all the the craziness going on in the halls and the parties and stuff. It kind of reminds me of like the college campus from Real Genius. Oh, they're going to say Rock and Roll High School. But yes, I'll agree with that. I love that fucking movie. I knew you would love that movie so much. Space lasers that make popcorn. It's the same movie. This has lasers, too. Have you been touching yourself again, Clarence? <laughs> and, and you get that good humor too, because you know what I mean. Like this one here, the the characters are still really good, but you get that kind of like the like the scientist. Uh, he's like, "Oh, you're not supposed to be in this lab. What are you doing touching this stuff?" And then he goes and drinks from the uh, you know, from the potion himself because he's thirsty. Which so clearly that's the kind of humor right? you get. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. He's like, "You don't want to mix ingredients." That's also the Nazi guy from from the Toxic Avenger. So the Nazi doctor. <laughs> oh yeah. One thing I have to mention, so a lot of people convolute Street Trash and think that is a trauma movie. A trauma in its spirit, maybe, but that's actually a lightning picture. Lightning Pictures also did Blood Diner, which is probably still my favorite movie ever from the show. So you can see how that same kind of edgy vibe was thriving and also not making any money, forcing one of the two studios to close down. That's how that worked out. Let's move on. Uh, trauma obviously built and ballooned up and has continued going and persevering through the work of individuals like Lloyd Kaufman, who for some reason used a pseudonym in helping to write this movie as Samuel Weil. Why? Is that normal? Which I never understood that. I don't know if he was trying to avoid um, some sort of tax or I I don't know. It seems like a business claim over everything because he's been blacklisted and he'll talk about that public. He's like, I've been blacklisted from everything. So if his name pops up somewhere, um, cause in toxic Avenger, it's, he's marked as Samuel wheel as, as well too. So it's so weird because both like this and toxic Avenger are hands down the greatest films that he's ever done. I feel, and it's like, wouldn't you want your name all over these? Yeah. Well, see, he was coming out of, uh, they were doing those sex comedies, like, you know, squeeze play and all that. So mm. I don't know if that would have like made a scene like, Oh, you're that, that sexploitation filmmaker, you know? So I don't know. It's uh, it's cool though because I have like an original Toxic Avenger poster. His name's Samuel Wheel on there. So well, it's odd too because the yeah. way it's distributed now, it still says a Lloyd Kaufman movie, and then it has this name too. So it's like, well, why both? Wouldn't it be either or? Like, aren't you mm. trying to escape the uh, stank on the one? Cocaine was big in the eighties, so I don't know. <laughs> Hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. You also had co-writing duties with Michael Hers and Richard W. Haynes. 
I got my hands on you, buddy boy. As far as the movie, the writing, it's tight. It's tight butthole. Any any Ooh. complaints about it? Obviously, there's a few hard F bombs. Yeah. I kind of like that it comes from a lady, though. That's interesting. Well, that's the time. We talked about this before. Like, I, I would say anything probably even up until like 2008, movies were still doing that. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that I'm, it's an excuse, but I don't necessarily think that it's intended for what the purpose of that word is. I think it's just shit that people just comes out of their mouths. She also says that if she's trying to sexually victimize a man. So that's a that's a whole thing. Do we... <laughs> Much like my attempted rant about Kabuki Man on our friends, uh, damn that scary's podcast. I think I'm gonna take Adam's approach, and I am quote unquote not touching that with a ten foot cattle prod. Uh, you might recall Haynes also did Splatter University, so I think that he at this time in his life he was going with his relative experience, and at this point he had only been a student. Hmm. Yeah, he was also editor for this film too, and I, he edited uh, the original uh, Toxic Avenger as well too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the F word, uh, I was going to say, I don't know, it's, it's like, fuck? <laughs> uh, I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, yeah, it, it does pop up, but um, you want to know, it, it was it's it was still relevant. Like, to, It was just kind of a regular word to use. Uh, you know, up until The Simpsons did that uh, John Waters episode, because I, apparently, I don't know if you read about that. Can I say it on here or no? And it will be censored. Yeah, so... Go for it, if, you, if, if it, in the context. Yeah, so in the context, like, like they were just saying fag for everything. And you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like, like, what are you, a fag? But in The Simpsons, in the original script, the John Waters episode, uh, Homer was supposed to wow. call, uh, you know, John Waters a fag. And and John Waters is like, no, you know, that's kind of an offensive term. I don't think we should use that on, you know, national TV. So, you know, it just only recently came into terms with that. So... Yeah, it's crazy to think, and that's why a lot of people still probably think it's okay to say words like that, huh. even though it is discriminatory. Yeah, like uh, back to the whole Kabuki Man thing. Like, I think that was the only thing that really stuck out to me. That was well, and the rape. Yeah, that too. I mean, it, it was around then that they were doing both those, using that word and well, the rape. Going to the rape um, thing. That's one of the things that's refreshing about this film. This there is no rape. It, it, there's attempted with the lady in the bathroom. Hi yo. None. <laughs> but there's not. And that is such a relief because so many of these movies, yeah, why always with the thing? Yeah, yeah just, honestly, the, the I think the worst character in this film is the fucking friend with the curly hair. Um, He's constantly just he's like, <laughs> yeah, I want to get in your pants, ladies. Oh, it's time to party. Like, I'm like, man, just kill this guy already. please. Oh, yeah. Didn't he like slap a girl on the ass or grab a girl's ass in the lunch line or something? I don't know. Like they were constantly... And then they yeah, were at that party too. Yeah, it's just it's like yeah, it's like that's that's where it's cutting the line. It's like man, you know. And I don't know, like if that's if that was normal. Like, did people like do that back then? Because I feel a lot of like even in movies like Forky's or things like that, like a lot of '80s movies like depict these guys and they depict it as funny when they're, you know, like violating a woman or grabbing them or calling them something disgusting and i just don't know if that was like a thing and that was okay if a president can engage in locker room talk why can't everybody else and and that's another thing too. so yeah obviously there are issues that i have with the movie but i also if you think of it in context of the time then i'm not giving it a pass obviously and i'm not going to give it a pass because of the time but i just understand that that's why that it's there so that's a fair point Maybe maybe that's the thing with Kabuki Man. I don't know. Going to curly-haired guy, did anybody else get the feeling from him and his little friend that that was Cousin Larry and Balky from Perfect Strangers? Anybody? The one guy's kind of gawky and <laughs> lean, and I was like, oh my god, you're supposed to have an accent, and you're supposed to be in Chicago, right? Uh, that's cute. Well, I hate to be the weird guy here. I have to go pick someone up from the airport, but I'll give you a few, maybe like just a few seconds of just my thoughts. But yeah, definitely check out Class in Newcomb High. Um, it's one of my favorite trauma films. And uh, like like when you get to return to Newcomb High, you'll appreciate Class in Newcomb High a lot more uh, and, and trauma's older way of filmmaking. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed a lot. The, the monster at the end, it just builds up and you guys are all going to talk about that. I just got to get going because uh, I'm starting to get screamed at. They're like, where are you? I'm like, I'm outside. I'm at the light. That's my favorite light. Yeah, dude. <laughs> You're just really outside. Yeah, just really outside. It, oh, you know, the rain in L.A. Everyone's driving slow as I as I text him from the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good luck. Drive safe. and We'll have fun. 
enjoy guys and uh, yeah we'll, we'll get back and uh you know talk about the disappointment later of return to newcomb high but the positivity of return to return to newcomb high so without that guys take care and i'll see you next episode take care so uh did anybody else misremember the fact that this movie i, I thought that the school that they were at in my brain was newcomb n-e-w-c-o-m-b and then it was just tromaville high that was a missed pun i'm not happy with that Wait, say that again? Yeah, I had always thought that in my brain, I had always remembered it as Newcomb High School, like a name of Newcomb. Oh, I get it. And it wasn't. It's <laughs> Tromaville High. And I'm like, you could have done a pun. Yeah. I love yeah. the whole adherence. It could Newcomb could be in Tromaville, but to just use Tromaville High, wasted, wasted, all gone. No good. Oh, yeah. Missed opportunity. And also, the return to Newcomb High yeah. is a college. That's not a high school. That's not the same thing. It's not yeah, even the right. same fucking universe. There's none of the same characters or, or monsters or anything. So we'll get to that maybe eventually. Troll March 2022, baby. I think this has to become a yearly event just so we can yeah, put A sure. through it. Oh, great. I can't wait. You can see this. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> we got Troll May. We got Troll Member. Tro- uh, but anyway, going through the narrative. Hey, do you want to walk us through? Do you remember what happens in this movie or have you blocked enough of it out? I did block a lot of it out, but I, I'll, I'll walk you through it really quickly. So we, you know, we open up on, uh, and this is in New Jersey, and you know, no, nothing against New Jersey, but it's like I'm not surprised. Are you surprised that any of this is in New Jersey? Yes, I. I... My second favorite hockey team is the New Jersey Devils. Well, I don't know <laughs> if you've ever been, Jake. Do Do you frequent there? I mean, absolutely <laughs> zero offense to any of our listeners in New Jersey, but as soon as you cross state lines, it's like <laughs> someone opened a fresh bag of assholes. Windows oh, up, right. it is awful. Every time, yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling this because it's fact. It's not my opinion, it's fact. It's bad. We're New Englanders. It's like the that episode of Golden Girls when Dorothy's trying to save the swamps and she's talking to Sophia and she's like, Do you know why we should save the swamps? And Sophia's like, New Jersey wouldn't have a state smell. Like <laughs> so anyway, um, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm from New York, so I can I have I know what's going on. Anyways, um, yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, there's an accident at the plant and somehow the toxic waste gets into the weed that is growing and the Cretans are selling the weed to or pressuring people to buy this 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 radioactive weed at and the, the weed yeah now i believe that which i really like that distinction like the idea of like hey you can't tell anybody that i'm bullying you because you're also engaging in illegal conduct mm-hmm. and that's what they do now so it's a, you know it's, it's a thing that, that just crosses the ages with uh, uh teenagers i should say so um but anyways uh, the, and I think it's implied that the Cretans are are the way that they are because of the radiation coming from the plant, right? They're smoking it. So they're like these, quote, deformed, like punk-looking people. Uh, Gonzo looking like Quee Quay got a Moby Dick. I know what you're saying. I know. Oh, yeah. And I was telling Adam, like, I think Gonzo has blackface, but I'm not sure. And I don't know if I should, how I should feel about this. Yeah, it's it, it's a confusing <laughs> look because, I mean, yeah, the, the giant septum piercings and everything and just like, but it's stripey in a weird sense. I Sometimes really don't yeah. know. Stripey. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like his makeup changes a lot. Like they were like the continuity wasn't quite there. So I, I really uh, couldn't tell. <laughs> whatever uh so and then we have uh ward and chrissy where they're two little lovebirds and they end up getting swept up into all of this and they end up trying the weed at the party peer pressured by their friends and all of these crazy things ensue after that so i feel like it's 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 got the normal formula where they go to you know there's two kids in love there's kids doing drugs they're having um premarital sex they're doing this they're doing that uh and then they of course there's a big battle at the end at the high school and i don't want to give too much away are we giving away spoilers in this episode yeah, the movie came out before i was fucking born we're allowed to i think yeah okay okay oh yeah 86 oh god so yeah and then uh, obviously warren saves the day did you not hear the whole thing where i went through films of 86 you just yeah, realized i know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry you you oh god <laughs> We did two episodes today. I was thinking of 88 and then somebody said something about 87 and I don't like you were talking about movies in 87. You're confusing me. That's when the monster squad (laughs) came out. Thank you. (laughs) 
I know. I, okay. So, so Jake had his monster squad plug. So now we can continue, but you know, um, this was kind of like a trauma cautionary tale with that whole drugs and sex and premarital sex and everything. It's like, this is what happens. You yeah. can't get pregnant on your first time as the voiceover. Yeah. Entirely. You smoke your radioactive weed and then you go and have sex with your underage girlfriend and oh my god, now you've got a three-foot cock and her stomach is bloating with tentacles. And Yeah, and this little thing drops out of her in the bathroom. <laughs> that was great. I mean, I think at that point I was like, whatever, I'm into this now. I, I, I can't turn away, so I'll just have to keep it going. It was cute. Yeah, that portion was definitely was the most trauma flavor of the film. Um, but yeah, no, it has a it has a really good ending, like uh, with the creature that Adam refers to, and the creature's killed by the the laser that they foreshadow. They do a lot of foreshadowing in this movie, I noticed. So obviously, the laser comes back, and that's when Dan was yelling, "He's gonna get the laser! He's gonna get the laser!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, you were paying attention!" For so <laughs> so, See, yeah, no, real genius. Um, but yeah, exactly. So it was cute. Warren saves the day, saves uh, Chrissy. I, but you know what? You mentioned that there wasn't any rape, but there is a little. There's a lot of assault, and even when they kidnap Chrissy, the girl who's all over her, right? That like is kissing on her and like sucking on her and all of these like uncomfortable things. So there is a little bit of violation in this movie. Yes, but um, not penetration. But not yeah. Molestation, not... assault, mm -hmm. battery. All I will concede. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so there's that. So if that bothers you, and then of course there's a whole shoot school shootout at the end. So that honestly, this movie would be great. I would recommend it to people. But that for that scene alone, especially because I live in Florida and um, you know dealing with the shootings all the time, uh, so that I feel is in poor taste for today's standards. So if if, if they could somehow edit that part of the movie or just, you know, not show them shooting up the, the, the teachers and the principal and whoever, um, that would be nice. Maybe turn it but into a squirt gun. That, There's some like toxic waste in there. We, we color correct the red, make it green. We're fine. Yeah. And I understand why it's there too, because it was probably so absurd to think, Oh, this would never happen. So this would make it funny. Right. So absurd that these things could never happen, but you know, this is America and of course they do. So what's well, one of the ways uh, we talked about, previously with some of these movies aging better than they would have been you know like in this like the the social commentary is there before it was a thing to satirize which is it blows mm -hmm. the mind but it actually arguably ages better now because of it because you're like you're being able to look at it as a time capsule and go like, look at how crazy this is and like also look how deranged these individuals have to be to do this they are literally a nuclear induced comatose brain state in order to get to that point. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, and then, of course, uh, when he's making out with the teacher and <laughs> Dan's yelling, he's like, is this what happens at school? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and then they, like, they get her into their little club or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> no, that doesn't happen in real life. So, obviously, that's fiction. So the only stuff that happens fiction. in real life is from Varsity Blues. We all know this. Got it bad so bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I have to talk about something. I don't think a lot of people, I haven't seen, I Google searched a couple things, didn't see anybody else bring this up. This movie, while might not have, right, it has, avoids some of the ickier stuff that trauma does, there is blatant infanticide in this film. That's very unfortunate. We have our little friend using space lasers to kill a baby, albeit a mutant monster baby. That thing's only a few days, possibly old. That, my friends, is probably one of the most heinous, if not the most heinous thing we've talked about in the month of Troll March. What do you think? Can you justify it when this monster protects mama? This one's going to put those pro-lifers through the roof. Definitely. Oh, shit. It's just a very, very, very late-term abortion. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I think it's technically it's though. Te it's not as technically, though, this thing was born in the first trimester it just grew super fast so i mean is it still in line with abortion laws it is still born mm. yeah i don't like it when the two of you look at me like that like i first <laughs> how do you know which one we're looking at um, we're looking at a camera tell us about lady I don't things know. I, just, I feel the eyes i feel the eyes on me for some reason so anyways but no it's fine it's yeah it's well i guess it's not an anybody's but uh, whatever 
I, I don't know where I was going with that. It's not as fun as the little girl losing her legs. I'm just going to say it. It isn't. It, AIDS obviously referring to Revit grannies from last week, but I have a problem with this. Like, it's not entirely dead. It does kind of come back at the end like your shredder, you know? I'm, I'm okay with that element of it, but I just kind of I, I want the scene where they're like pushing a pram and this giant monster that's taller than them is in the baby carriage and they go off in the sunset. That's the ending I want for this movie. Just legs hanging out of it and everything. Yeah, mama. See a quills poking through a little bonnet. Yeah. That'd be cute. That's like a Rosemary's baby. Yeah. Eventually she has to accept the baby and she's, you know, raising the Antichrist. And also to further my position, like we talked about, because the monster was never completed and you only see it in parts, you just put the uh, unsheathed pelvis in the pram and have all of the parts that you see on camera dangling out of it. This is perfect. This is the ending that should have been. Writes itself, man. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Uncle Lloyd, you should have contacted me when I was negative one year old. God, we would have had so Fucker. many pointers. <laughs> so uh, some of the other movies I wanted to talk about in this, one of the reasons I brought up Street Trash earlier is you had one of the fellows from Street Trash is actually in this. Uh, which is Pat Ryan Jr. He was also in Toxic Avenger. You had lots of people from Toxic Avenger or Toxic Avenger 3. You had uh, the Space Avenger, Alien Space Avenger. You actually, Gonzo, the guy who, uh, Queequeg, if you will, he actually wrote Alien Space Avenger, which a bunch of other people were in. Uh, The gal who plays Chrissy was in The All-Nighter and then Teen Wolf 2 and then Nothing Ever Again. Gil Brenton was in Lex with our friend Eva Haberman. There was a Robert Pritchard, you might recall, was Spike was in Werewolf Bitches from Outer Space. Uh, so that's a thing. <laughs> must <laughs> find that one. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> On top of my must watch list. Uh, I really wanted to highlight Dewey because Dewey is my favorite character in this film. He does not wear out his welcome. That is one of my favorite effects. That's why I compare it with Street Trash as the melt effects. He only acted in one other film, which was Posed for Murder. And then he worked in the art department a couple of times for movies like Tales from the Dark Side and Vampire's Kiss. And then fell off into obscurity, perhaps fell off into obscurity out of a window onto the pavement and leaked everywhere. Now, which one was Dewey? The guy who looks like Joey Ramone from the beginning, who ends up going crazy, spitting green rabies foam and flying out the window. That was it. Yeah, that was fun. I I did like that effect. That was a good time. There's a lot of good things about this. I'm not going to say that this should be avoided. Like, it's just cute. Like, just the fact that they they have a little nerd at the beginning. They always have the nerd. He reminded me of the guy from the nerdy kid from Greece. Oh, Eugene from Greece. I don't know why. This movie kind of reminds me of Greece. I don't know why. I think it might be intentional. Am I reaching? Okay. It's the whole high school thing. I mean, they had the 80s nerd stereotype. It was very, very common. If you take out the infanticide, I mean, basically, it's the same movie. Oh, my God. She's just not (laughs) pregnant versus it being that they kill the pregnated thing. I I can't even respond to that. I was going to try and come back from that, but I was like, I got nothing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Instead of grease lightning, it's greased radiation. Ah. Zinger. Irradiated lightning. All right. So I think no better time. We've kind of gone through the gamut with this film. There are three other films in the franchise. Uh, You can see them at your leisure. None of them are particularly connected to this. No. Uh, Four. Yeah, that's a fair point. But obviously quite extenuating circumstances. Uh, Two has some charm. Three has some. They're all like somewhat redeemable, but not. They're all much more prototypical trauma than this one. Yeah, was uh, were two and three filmed at the same time, almost like Toxic Avenger did? Because I I don't like. Doesn't that uh, Brick? uh, He plays Roger in part two. He plays his son in part three. And yeah, and he was in uh, Kabuki Man. Yeah, uh, that being Brick Bronski. That was it. Just hunky man, tons of muscles, and apparently drenched in B.O. was also in a movie called The Quest with one Jean-Claude Van Damme, who you might recall played Guile, which was in Street Fighter the movie, which is better than anything Mortal Kombat will ever produce. And now I can think of no better time to go to an interview I did with my friend Nathan Basil and not give Adam and Adrian an opportunity to rebut my statement. You might recall that Nathan Basil was in one... What movie, Adam? Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. The Rise of My Flaccid Dick into a Pulsating Erection, because that movie is fucking awesome. Enjoy my interview with one Nathan Basil. 
This is Slashers, or at least the interview portion, which I still have no idea how to introduce. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time, Nathan Basil, star of Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. How are you this evening? I'm doing all right. Yeah, so it's weird times, but uh, I'm doing all right considering you. I'm just, like you said before we started recording, grateful to have a job, grateful to have the life and livelihood to have hobbies at this point, more than two handfuls full of people who've had COVID and stuff and to stay healthy. That's a gift, right? Yeah, it's kind of remarkable to have made it this far without having uh, contracted. I mean, I, I'd be interested to know if I had, you know, it, it passed me by and I, right. you know, I was a positive, but I, I, I'm not symptomatic. You know, it'd be interesting to see how many people there are like that. It just kind of passed by and it wasn't even noticed. Yeah, my godbrother, actually, he got it and he texted me to say, oh, I'm actually kind of like grateful because he's just started law school. So he's like, oh, so I just get an excuse to hang out and play video games because I'm not really like hurt. I just am quarantined. I'm like, wow, like the folly of youth to be like, oh, I, I'm bemused at the idea I have a virus right. or whatever. Right. What a great opportunity here. <laughs> right. And so you have two strapping young lads. Are they enjoying quarantine life and video games and MTV and stuff? No, they're going nuts. And yeah. <laughs> uh, they've been uh, working from home this whole time. And, you know, I really I really admire them for it because uh, a lot of their friends have continued either school in person or they're doing a kind of hybrid thing home and in person and uh my sons were just concerned they they both have pre-existing conditions too so tracking it is, is, is a little riskier for them but um but uh yeah they've just really stuck it out for a really long time and i i've tried to uh acknowledge them for how impressed it is that they've uh stuck it as long as they have and they've done as well as they have in really funky conditions um you know their their grades haven't tanked they're ha happy healthy for the most part human beings and uh you know that's it's unfortunate it's to be commended but uh in these times it is to be commended well, I can't wait to show my kid movies like Rear Window or Disturbia or whatever, where it's like somebody on house arrest because they'll be like, what? That's nothing. That was March. Leave well, me alone. I can't watch anything now without <laughs> noticing people's proximity to each other. Like, you can't. Oh, it's you don't gross. Shake hands. <laughs> Shaking hands. Hello. What are we barbarians? Yeah. Why don't we just lick each other too? Hello. Seriously. I actually, you know, I stalked you a bit to prepare for the interview and I saw you at a block party concert and I was like, oh my God, the germs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, fortunately that was before the event, but that didn't, uh, that, that didn't keep me from freaking out. I was such a, it was a fantastic concert, but the, the moments that I remember most are where I just am beating myself up for having been so weirded out by so many people around me. <laughs> <laughs> My boys were okay with it, but you know, I just I couldn't deal, and I just had to go way, way back where there just wasn't any any people. I would have, I would have walked outside the venue, you know, to get some relief if if I didn't. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just uh, too much, too many people. I grew up listening to lots of hardcore music, so lots of circle pitting and punching each other, and that that doesn't weird me out. That I can rationalize. Touching people and like swaying back and forth and breathing, no. I can't. No, do in that. fact, it, it would be really therapeutic to get in a good fight. Now, I, you know, I yeah. feel like I've, <laughs> it I feel like I've earned it. You know, just get in a real good right. bare knuckle brawl, and uh, I think that would just be so calming and <laughs> yeah there was some rpg when i was a kid where like you could like proportionately increase your attack by like letting somebody hit you like five times and i feel like 2020 was just hitting me in the face over and over again where if i unleashed a volley i feel like i might put my fist through yeah. the cosmos at this yeah. point yeah yeah I, I can hear it from here uh breaking the sound barrier to <laughs> <laughs> right so you know obviously I, I this is a horror podcast so i have to ask you the stuff the the usual but i'm not gonna waste your time with sequel talk because we have a great comic that we can get what i want to talk to you about is you and i seem to have a very similar view of this movie which is you can use this to introduce people to horror and you basically did that with yourself oh, yeah. right you just saw halloween last year that's i i, I don't i can't uh i'm sorry that's all i can. i love it it took me that 
there's no shame in it. But uh, but yeah, I I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't uh, initially geared for horror. I, I guess uh, the closest I came was kind of suspense thrillers, you know. But uh, I did watch yeah. the first uh, few um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, so that was kind of a yeah. little dalliance with horror, I guess. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't really until um, Behind the Mask that I felt <laughs> a responsibility to to investigate the genre, you know. Um, so I've yeah. kind of been made it a little mission of mine since then. Well, th- isn't it kind of obnoxious? And I could say this because I get this all the time where people like try to impress you. We're like, Oh, did you see scum fuck <laughs> seven? It was only released on VHS in Vietnam in 1932, <laughs> but, uh, it's pretty le- And you're like, you don't impress me. There's too much content in the world for me to have done that. You know, that's where that's where my uh, my ignorance really pays off because I don't pretend to have any, <laughs> you know, uh, archive knowledge. You know, I've I, I got a few titles under my belt now. I'm, I'm I trying. I'm trying. I'm knocking them out one at a time. But uh, yeah, I'm not pretending to be a, an expert. What's one of the great things? Because your movie transcends just general parody, right? You see the scary movie franchise. It's a one for one satire. Whereas you get to do the archetypes, like the essence of horror movies that, you know, 16 years later are still funnier than they probably were at the time. I mean, is the fact that you were uninformed, do you think looking back a bit helpful to how you like crafted this character? No, I mean, I, I the, the, it was really all in the script, you know, uh, the Leslie's, yeah familiarity with the genre and his passion for the genre and everything that was all in the script. So really my job was just kind of to make it believable, to believe the words, you know, and, uh, and the additions that I was able to make were more in the kind of sense of not improv, but a a kind of live sense, a, a kind of documentary sensibility, you know, I just did what the words instructed me to do. Um, I think that the movie focusing like it does on a very specific part of the genre, it helps elevate the movie as well because it's really focused on um, slashers from the late 70s, early 80s. And those conventions, it's really taking a, a really close up view of those that's just a really rich area of the genre to explore you know oh yeah and one of the things that like especially when you get into like the meta nature of the character and is he who he says he is what's that you realize that, like it doesn't matter and you've watched this whole movie and, and none of that actually mattered and that's like basically the point um you know getting into those elements of it you had uh, mentioned in an earlier interview that Robert England compared you to Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Had you seen Psycho by the time you did this film? Mm-hmm. And so I can totally see that because you get to play an incredibly, almost excessively normal guy and then brutal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, ever get to see the normal guy for the other stuff. So was that just almost fun to be able to be like, this is something that I can make entirely my own because there is no comparison. There's never a scene with Michael Myers like Harry Met Sally is sitting in a diner. There's never a scene where Jason's picking up dog poop. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the 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 movies are always the guys with the masks on, and uh, we yep. don't, we don't see what they're like, like with the masks off and um, and mask off uh, documentary style. Um, there really wasn't any do's or don'ts that needed to apply. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun to play with and explore. Robert England. Uh, told me that after a particular scene where um, it just really highlighted that um, that quality um, that we were just talking about because it was um, the scene up against the van where <clears throat> they're having a conversation, uh, Leslie and Taylor, and then it, uh, it, it turns very quickly and very yeah. uh, intensely. And then it kind of lightens up again, almost just yeah. quickly, you know? Um, and those changes of pace and tone, I think were what was exciting to him, um, as an actor, you just, you don't get too many opportunities to play with the kind of long leash that I was given. Um, and he, as as an actor really appreciated that, uh, I had that opportunity with the role and that I was making as much of it as I was. And as an actor, it's almost like you get to peacock a little bit when you do these kind of satirical roles because you get to show an incredible range in a very short amount of time. When you think about that, because you've done stage, I mean, the the overt nature you would have to do in the build and the climax and the resolution of those kind of things, 
But in the specifically the van scene, I mean, that's just like watching an EKG fly up and down because you're the highest of high and the, the calmest of calm. Uh, did you kind of get to feel like, oh, yeah, this is my Juilliard education right here when you were I, I filming think, that? I think I've always allowed myself one of the one of the few emotional excesses that I've allowed myself expression wise has been anger. I've yeah. generally allowed myself a lot of, you know, maybe too much liberty with that. But you know, I've got a lot of work to do on a whole other range of emotions, but that's one that's just never been an issue for me. If it sounds like I've done some therapy about that, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. But, um, but that it's, it's a quality that really worked for that film because um, it allowed for the character to have a real quality of menace about him, even though he didn't have to flaunt it. He didn't have yeah. to project evil because he just was. Yeah, that's totally. And it goes to Anthony Perkins again, because you, know, you got the, the looming menace of like, you know, every boy's best friend is his mother, the, you know, the seed of dark, but he doesn't just stay tainted forever. And the fact that you go back to normal makes you more menacing because it's like, well, what else is under there versus just being so heavy handed like a lot of horror is, which, you know, is an unfortunate trope of the genre. Yeah, but uh, it's it's also an unfortunate uh, trope that actors tend to embrace because, you know, it's fun to act bad. But, you know, so many villains, I feel like, sell themselves short because they're acting bad instead of just believing that they're, you know, what am I trying to say? It, it, it's, it's one thing to be evil. <laughs> it's another thing. To, I, and by, by being evil, it's not like a mustache twisting villain type, you know, approach to evil. Yeah. It's it, people doing evil things. And the people that do evil things, they don't do evil things um, because they're just evil. They're doing things that they're, you know, passionate about and, and uh, you know, worked up about and, and they're yep. just doing their life. And if there's any kind of judgment that they have about it, it's not that, oh, I'm an evil person. I wish I won't. <laughs> it's that I'm, it's a justification for what it is that they've done and their behavior. And, um, you know, there's, there's very little self-criticism of people that do horrible, horrible things. And uh, yeah. Yeah. so, you know, acting like an evil person shouldn't be an exercise in, uh, you know, projecting that I'm somebody that you should fear. It's, it's justifying your reason for doing what it is that you do. And the more justification you can bring to that, the more terrifying what you do as a result of those justifications is. Yeah, I mean, it's Dr. Doom syndrome. He thinks that he's the hero. You know, he thinks everything he does is vindicated. And it goes to it. You point the lens, you know, at your counterpart and say, you chose to be a journalist. Right. You know, showing like you're one decision away from being me when you think about it. It's just whatever right, gets right. you and, and, you know, uh, on top of that, my the, the role that I'm playing is certainly more important than, than the role that she plays because I am providing a necessary counterbalance to the... Uh, you know, it's it's chumps. Chumps are doctors, you know, and chumps are lawyers, yeah. and chumps are the builders. You know, the destroyers are really where uh, where where you need integrity and and skill and <laughs> character. Yeah, when he talks about being the counterpoint, I'm like, oh, that's Thanos. That's what that is. Everybody loves Thanos now. I'm like, that was Leslie in 2006, man. I know, so yeah, yeah. So when you were talking about you know the the craft of acting, you kind of hinted at something I've heard you talk about multiple times that it's more of a personal endeavor than a performing endeavor. And so, were there any things that you learned about yourself or your approach to things? You know, mentioning anger and so forth. Anything you learned in this character or any others that kind of stuck with you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The whole project of Behind the Mask was just a really incredible parallel to my own real life experience. The themes, the the emotions, um, the sense of uh, I don't know, being on the precipice. You know, the the peak experience kind of moment. You know, that was all happening for me at the same time that uh, I was making the movie and. Um, and so Leslie's career and mine, you know, did a nice dovetail in that way. And so the whole thing was fantastic personal exploration 
because I could be so personal in the role. Some roles you have to kind of use other qualities of yourself that aren't uh, don't lend themselves to to expression, you know. But uh, but in this role, um, there really wasn't anything like no. It was just all about expression, and so you know, it was, the whole thing was a fantastic uh, exercise in my exploring my journey. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and it was kind of captured on on film there and uh, and for posterity. But uh, but yeah, I learned I learned something with every role because uh, every role is an opportunity to explore an aspect of myself that doesn't get a whole lot of light. And then one of the things you, it seems like you're kind of touching on, like almost like the folly of youth, you know, because you the hindsight being 2020, you looking back to your younger years and the experiences and what you're going through, is it also kind of fun being able to look. You never get to see a mentoring relationship in horror and your relationship with Eugene is so cool because he gets to kind of look at you like, ha ha, I remember those days. Uh, looking back, do you have almost that kind of perception of almost looking at yourself, you know, over a decade removed? Yeah, yeah, um, I do definitely have that experience of it. And I, th- I think that I think that uh, a, a great reason why Scott Wilson's Eugene was so uh, felt so organic was because it was that's exactly who he was was a mentor you know that was that was you know who he was and what he did was uh was mentoring but when i think back and remember myself in that time i i think about ways that i would counsel myself and i just i know it doesn't end good i i anytime i think about you know jumping back in time (laughs) and trying to talk myself out of something i know that somebody's teeth is getting knocked out it's the it's the older version of me or it's the younger version of me but somebody's teeth is getting knocked out it's not gonna go yep. it's gonna go south real <laughs> real quick and uh and i think it's probably gonna be the older version oh, yeah. of me that's just gonna get so fed up <laughs> <laughs> for sure well I, it's like every freaking day on reddit i'll see like it makes like ask reddit so like, if you had one sentence to say to your six-year-old self what would you say and i'd like it doesn't fucking matter i'd be like Who's your favorite kid from Captain Planet? Because no matter what I said, that kid's probably just going to get dumber if he hears me talk. You know, it's worth trying, I think. But it would it would take a lot of time for me to come up with the words that I would think could actually penetrate the younger version of me's skull. You know? <laughs> and good luck if it even breaks through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm so cynical where I'd be like, yeah, bullshit, time travel. You're just this is a punk show because punk was topical back then. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people harass you ad hominem as far as a sequel goes. I personally love the self-contained nature of the film and the tease at the end. Uh, Does it haunt you that people do this to you and exploit (laughs) your, your patience and ask you these questions over and over again? Or do you still have like a certain degree of like, well, they want more of it. So that's got to be kind of complimentary. Yeah, of course. It's totally complimentary. And, you know, I, I would I would have done a sequel years ago if it was an option. But, you know, the things haven't fallen into place yet. And I guess I don't really feel bad about how long it's taken because I feel like this is kind of like a fine wine situation. And, and I feel like, I don't, know, I don't feel like I've lost anything. I feel like it's only going to get better. The, the more... The more this ages, the better it's got to get. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a much better actor now than I was, you know, back then. So, <laughs> you know, it's gotta, it's gotta, it's Absolutely. gotta be better. Le- Leslie's got to be better too. Well, and I, I think I'd heard you speak about this as well. That the idea that you you took your shot, and there's a certain somberness and solemnity. And there's a reflection that goes in there that very easily coincides with life and life experience. Uh, do you think that you've suffered enough in the 16 years or no, excuse me, in the 15 years since to uh, inform that character? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if when we've talked about sequel stuff, I've always come from the place of, you know, the closer that we can parallel his life with mine, the better it is for me. And I think the more of interest it would just kind of 
naturally be in the same way that it felt like the movie, the first movie did that. I'm, I'm always trying to find how close to home it can be. And I certainly identify with somebody who uh, felt like they were on the verge of big, big things and they take a step out. They're, you know, ready for their moment and, and they fall down. And then uh, they're forced with all of those uh, questions of, uh, of self-doubt and self-purpose. And they have to figure out what, what they're going to, how they're going to respond. And do they pick themselves up and give it another shot? Or do they just kind of slink away into memory, you know? And I, I think yeah. this is something that a lot of people deal with. I think everybody um, in this last year has been really confronted in a more personal way than, than most people would feel comfortable with. Uh, you know, just having life turned upside down. And um, and how do you respond to that? How do you how do you respond to the blows? You know, do you rally or do you do you get in? Yeah, and you are a guy who I mean, I've read your teaching statements and think you understand self promotion. You understand hustle. You know, you're not somebody who has fallen off. You know, you're a guy who's continued and persevered. And I think there's some beautiful things to say with that. With your you know, continued efforts in the industry and you know your uh, convention work. I mean, you put yourself out there and you give your, a lot of yourself to people. I mean, it's amazing to me how much time I've seen you dedicate to complete strangers. Uh, is that rewarding uh, and a, a kind of a good way of helping you bounce back is knowing the lasting impact you've had on tons of people's lives? Like I've told only a handful of people I was interviewing you and they're like, holy shit. Oh, my. And I've interviewed several people at this point and they're all familiar. But there's something very true to this movie and this character and you specifically that people like you make such a deep impression with people. Well, it's it's a you know a really special convergence that the movie accomplished by you know just creating a really great story and a great character that was a, a great vehicle for me um, assembling a, a great cast and you know and the product ended up and, and it wasn't always this way you know I was able to be a part of of the sausage making process even after we'd finished filming and. Uh, that was fascinating to see the movie that we shot take shape and and there were some frustrating turns in that uh, in that road but ultimately we ended up with a movie that everybody's really proud of because it's a good example of what we were all unified about trying to to make and most especially because of the impact that it's had with the horror community has been the response has been a response to the kind of movie that we were all trying to make, which is one that yeah. felt like it was a celebration of a genre and one that celebrated the those late 70s, early 80s slasher conventions, but also um, brought something uh, something different to the table as well and um, worked on a few different levels and gave people an opportunity to, uh, you know, sit through multiple viewings and get different stuff out of it each time, you know, it's, it's a fun movie like that. And, oh, yeah. uh, and people are always grateful when they've got something like that, that they can turn to. And it's great to uh, have been a part of something like that for people. Well, it's great, because even if you've seen another mockumentary, you've seen your drop dead gorgeous, you've seen your best in show, none of those movies end in a real dog show, you know, and so you get to have the best of both worlds, you get to have the mockumentary, which is informing even the layman. Like my wife watched this. She is very, very ill-informed when it comes to horror. And she was like, oh, this all makes sense because you're teaching. And then she gets to see it played out in real life. It's the greatest crime scene recreation I've ever seen. It's it's wonderful. It's structured so well. And that's David Stevie's uh sensibility you just any script that you read of his just it reads like it's been perfectly crafted you know um he's just <clears throat> so good like that but yeah it's um really cool that though i avoided horror movies a lot growing up to have been a part of a movie that helps give people who might generally steer away from a horror movie a way in even if it's just a kind of intellectual access into the process and they can be emotionally distant from it, but appreciate some of the, you know, the analysis of, of convention and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, if that's, if that's a way in for, for somebody to find and you know, you watch our movie and you tend to not see horror movies the same again. You, you tend to, to start <laughs> whether it's, uh, willingly or not, uh, applying some of the the things that we were, you know, no, nobody being in a closet or going into a closet is not going to receive some kind of mental commentary 
whenever you're watching a movie going, going forward, yep. you know? And one of the things that I really, truly love about this movie, it, and I didn't realize it until t- today when I rewatched it, was you got to do the first like horror shared universe, <laughs> albeit most of those characters off screen. The fact that there is some universe, fictional or otherwise, where you got Freddy on one street and Kane Hodder in the background, you got all this shit going on, and they all exist, and you all like game recognizes game. That just set my imagination roaring. So thank you for that gift, you know, over a decade later. Freddy versus Jason was before us, but uh kind of yeah. <laughs> but hey, hey, that was that was something. I mean, getting those two franchises to play ball. Yeah. But it it just it really does, you know, illustrate the problem of, you know, you can do something like behind the mask and uh and as long as you're referencing these characters mask off, you can get away with a whole lot. Once the mask is on, it's it's a legal nightmare. Which is unfortunate. Until Disney buys everything and it's all owned by the same people, right? All right. All right. <laughs> unfortunately, it feels like everything's going that way. Well, there is uh, something that's delightful about the idea of uh, all those guys sitting around a table playing poker. Yeah, I would actually very much enjoy just it wouldn't be the kills. It would just be like the quaintness of like Michael going to the store and the guy behind the counter is Jason and Chucky's the one bagging the groceries just to see what that would be like in the weird Twilight Zonian universe. Wow. That I, that's a terrifying reality I would not want to explore. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what their currency would be, like probably human skin or something. Earlobes, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, you know, in terms of things that you're looking forward to, whether it be professionally or personally, is there anything like, you know, we've talked about kind of the dourness of 2020 and stuff. Is there anything that we can look forward to in 2021 that you know, you're excited about? Well, 2020 was <laughs> one of my New Year's resolutions I made was I'm going to get back into acting, you know, I'm just going to. I'm going to get yeah. back out there. I'm going to start auditioning again. You know, I'm just going to get back out there. You know? Well, 2020 saw to it that that wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I pushed that resolution on over into 2021. So we'll, we'll see how the year goes. Uh, it's not off to the greatest start, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. I'd, I'd, I'd like to uh, get out and, and uh, work some more and to continue to be creative and, and I'd like to continue teaching too. I love teaching and I love acting. Both those things have been the closest I've come to feeling like I'm I'm complete. I'm I'm kind of doing what I was put on the planet to do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think more of that's in my future. Yeah. So if there's ever anything that you'd like to promote moving forward, uh, I'd love to help you. You know, you've talked about facilitating other people uh, when it comes to teaching. If I could share my meager audience with you, I'd be happy to do it. You've been a gem. I really want to thank you for your time. Um, any closing remarks as we say goodbye to these goons? Hey, hang in there and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's working. And that was my interview with Nathan Basil. Uh, I really am rooting for him that the world opens up so he can actually reclaim what was should have been his mantle of being the next it boy. Because honestly, the fact that his career didn't explode, uh, it, it wounds me because I like crime. him. Yes. And so we've given him a platform. I would be remiss if I did not extend the same platform to our friends at Damn. That's scary. What do those boys think of class of Newcomb High? Damn, that's scary. Greetings from Tromaville. My name is Micah from Damn That Scary. I am joined alongside my two co-hosts, Greg and Will, and we are going to talk about Class of Newcomb High. Newcomb High. Yes. Newcomb High. I'm uh, I'm sure the Slasher Boys, I know you guys loved it over here at Damn That Scary. We oh, are of course you did. Huge fans of this movie. This huge. is one of the more popular trauma movies. One of the more one of the better, almost said more better. One of the better trauma flicks. Craig, yeah. a true classic. How do we feel about Class of Newcomb High, brother? It's one of my favorites to be honest. Yeah. Uh great story, great characters, uh great effects. Uh, this one goes down in the uh, this the Hall of Fame for trauma, in my opinion. It's right up there with Toxic Avenger. There it is. Go. It is definitely one of the, like the epitome of what a trauma movie is and what it's about. Uh, everything from like the grossness of it, the the nudity, the gore, all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. obviously the humor. There is yeah. blood. There is boobs. There is drug abuse. There is mutations. There is morphing. There is toxic waste. It's fantastic in all respects. Yeah. Will. Yeah. How do you feel about it, buddy? I loved it actually. I was I was very very impressed with how good this movie was. Um, it's it's really hard for me to pick just like one scene from the movie that I like that I enjoyed the most. But it, like 
this is coming from somebody who doesn't really care for trauma. Yeah, okay, you say that, but like, no, you're right. I don't like trauma that much. At all. No, you don't. <laughs> I feel like you're learning, though. You're yeah, getting there. That's what I'm saying. It's like, a trauma isn't for everyone. Right. A bit of an acquired taste. Yo, yes. Yeah. Uh, you got to be in a real trauma mood to watch trauma. You have to be. Yeah, yeah, and for some reason, I am not in the mood for trauma this month, but we are watching them anyways. <laughs> Wait, what? 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 Uh, How yeah. could you say such a thing? Uh, also, I love that instead of uh, uh, our regular fat guy that we have in the movie, we got the fat guy from Street Trash in this movie. Uber fat guy. <laughs> yeah, he's even fatter than Joe Fleshacre. And yeah. trust me, that's just great. And he's just as dead, too. Oh, boy. Shit. Yes. So I guess uh, overall, the Damn That Scary Crew, we absolutely love Class of Newcomb High. Highly recommended. Uh, it sprung, what, four sequels? Yeah. And I know, Greg, uh, Greg, you mentioned before that the first one is the only one that really matters. Well, you know what? They just keep getting better. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. I deceived you. <laughs> Trolled again by Greg. The Trolled. first one is perfect. Two is slightly worse, and then they go down. Okay. Oh, <laughs> they nosedive pretty effing hard. Okay. I tell you what. But you know what? Watch Class of Newcomb High. Yeah. 1984 classic. Yeah. Or, uh, 86. 86. Yeah. 88. 80, 90? 86. The 1980s classic. 1990. Class of Newcomb High. 1998. By Troma Films. Yeah. yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman classic right there. Thank you, Lloyd. Thank you for all the boobs. Thank you, everyone. Yes, yes. and thank you for Tro March. Tro March. Tro March. Tro March. Tro March. Tro March. And keep it. Oh, Tro. Keep it March. Keep it Tro March. Keep it spooky, guys. We'll we'll check in on you, fucks, next week. Listen to us, guys. I think this is a great episode. Not to toot my own horn, but. I mean, it's worth paying for, and I might, I might add that the extra premium content you get as a Patreon patron, where you get to see the video where we harass Adrian, that's worth an extra premium of what ninety nine ninety five. But instead, it could be yours for ninety nine point ninety nine 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 cents a month. <laughs> what do you guys think? Should, should you, anybody tell them how to patronize and support us? Well, if you want to get some sweet Slashers merch, go on over to slasherspod.redbubble.com. You could also go to the link tree that we have in our Instagram or Facebook or even the Mutant page and join our Patreon and be a member. That'd be so fun. And you get to see our chats in the Discord and talk to us all day if you want to. You may not want to, but you might want to because we're fun. Uh, and it's a good time. And you get special bonus episodes. And you can pay us to do a movie of your choosing. It's a certain tier. So maybe you have a trauma film that we're not doing this month that you would love to hear us talk about or at least me bitch about and the boys gush and get crazy about. So we can we can definitely do that for you. We're ready to work for you. I've also been really surprised that no like shitty little filmmaker has followed us up and be like, hey, for only a hundred bucks, you'll talk about my shit ass movie. Yes. I can't <laughs> say that I'll like it or I'll be nice, but I will absolutely talk about it for a hundred bucks. There's a lot of things. I'm not gay, but a hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. And so if somebody's asking, I'm buying, selling. <laughs> what is it? I'm selling. What? I'm a commodity. This ass is a commodity. That's true. Well, that's exactly why they won't pay us to do that because there's a lot of filmmakers that just don't want to hear bad things about the movie. It's so sad. <laughs> there's so. people like Lloyd Kaufman who are like, yeah, my movies do suck, huh? Fuck you. So anyway, this has been Slasher's Podcast. Doug's already gone. Say goodbye to Adrian and Adam. My name is Jake saying goodbye and goodbye.